electronic device, whichever one you want to do. We're going to open, first of all, to Isaiah chapter 53, verses 4 and 5. Then we're going to come back to Psalms 42, verses 5 and 6. Isaiah 53, verses 4 and 5. Now, we started last Sunday a new series uh, entitled uh, Increase in Health. You see, one thing that I believe is that God wants us healthy, spirit, soul, and body. Not just one area, but every area of our life. You that were here last Sunday, you remember the Scripture in 1 Thessalonians 5:23, where Paul said that we are three-part beings. We are a spirit, we have a soul, and we live in a body. So when Jesus died on the cross for us, he died for our sins, that's spirit. He died for our uh, soul, that's peace, that's our mind, emotion, and will. And then he died for our physical healing, for by his stripes we're healed. So we believe that, we hold that. That's something that I have been believing for many years. It's like I was talking with some folks the other night about revelation knowledge and understanding. That's something I got a hold of years ago, and I see it in God's Word everywhere I look. And regardless of what may come and go, it's not going to change my belief about God's healing power and how available it is and how much God wants to bring healing to our bodies, bring healing to our mind, emotion, and will, and bring healing to our spirits. Now, if you looked in your bulletin, what we're going to talk about today is increase in health in the area of mental and emotional healing. I want you to think about that with me this morning. Mental and emotional healing. I'll, I'll be honest with you. Uh, as I studied this throughout the week and then last night, I sat down and probably probably for a little while had as, as big a conflict uh, from the devil as I've ever had about preaching a message, even to the point that I thought, well, maybe this is not what I need to preach about today. So I started looking back and going to preach about healing the body. But I mean, now you talk about turmoil taking place inside me, and I realize that's not what the Holy Spirit wanted. So I, I want you to understand today that God wants us well in every part. Isaiah 53, verse 4 and 5 says, Surely... He has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten of God, and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him, and by his stripes we are healed. By his stripes. Now you find that also in, in, in uh, the New Testament, because Peter wrote, and he said that, that uh, he himself took our sins in his own body upon the tree, that we being dead to sin should live under righteousness, by whose stripes ye were healed. And then Third John, you remember we read that scripture last week. Third John verse 2 said, Beloved, I pray for you above all things that you prosper and be in good health even as your soul prospers. Now, we're going to, like I said, we're going to talk today about mental and emotional healing. God cares about us. Totally. He, he, don't, he don't just save us and take our spirits to heaven one day. God wants us to enjoy life here while we're on this earth. He wants us to enjoy the best that He has. And so many times we fall short of that or we don't get over into that area and enjoy that 
because of mental, and when I say mental here, I'm not talking about somebody being crazy or gone out of their mind. Don't, don't, don't get me wrong, that's not what I'm talking about. But I'm talking about our emotions, things in our past, <clears throat> good and bad. Not just bad things, but good things have helped shape our emotions. But when we think about healing our emotions, my, my emotions and my mind don't need to be healed from good things that's happened in my life. But there's things, you know, there's things that's happened in my life and, and in all of us' life that we could start right here with Michael. Michael's a new Christian, y'all. He, so I just thought I'd let y'all know that. And uh, he, gonna be, he told me, so I won't get involved in everything going on. <laughs> he says, I wasted 68 years, and I want to turn that around and serve the rest of them for the Lord. But anyway, we could start right here with him, and we'd go down the line, and we could talk about things that have hurt us in our past, things that are, are hurting us right now. Sometimes we take those things that have hurt us in the past, and we try to cover them up. When all the time they need the dust raked off of them and allow the Lord to heal those things in our life. And it gets us down. People go into stages of depression, and, and di- there's different stages and different levels of depression that people get in that stems from these emotional hurts that takes place in their life. See, it could be the breakup of a relationship. And I've, I've seen that, I've witnessed that many a times, a relationship break up. Husband and wife, or parent-child, or, or good friends. I, I have seen people that were real close friends, and something come between them and shatter that relationship, and then one of them will go off and end up in depression because of that. So breaking up relationship, loss of a parent, uh, the lo- or loss of a child, the loss of a job. Uh, you think, you know, people get depressed over losing jobs. I want to ask you a question. If you went into work in the morning, and you're secure where you're working at today, you went into work in the morning, they said, I'm sorry, we're closing our plant down. What would that do to you? I mean, you really got to be grounded to say, Hallelujah, and do something else now. You know, I mean, that takes some real grounding, okay? I don't know many people that's to that point. I mean, they can get there, don't get me wrong. There'd be a shock. There'd be an awe. There'd be, what are we going to do now? That, that kind of thing would take place with, with the loss of a job, a uh, uh, loss of a house. Uh, when I was eight years old, we lost everything that we owned in a house fire. And there was mom and daddy and six children to take care of. We had nothing. And, and see, we'd, that was in November of 1956. Well, that, they all write history books about 1956. That's so long ago. But then in December of 1955, just... Eleven months before, we had a little sister that was born, lived one day, died, and was buried on Christmas Day. So my mother went through all of this, and, and she had just begun to seem like, and I can hear them, I don't remember it a lot. I, I have heard them talk about it. She just began to come back around out of this whenever the house burned, lost everything we had. But I never will forget what my daddy said. If he was hurt, he didn't show it like mother did. And I remember him coming in from work that day. We was all home from school and there, and here lay the ashes and the smoke going up. And I remember Daddy getting out. We had a 56 Ford station wagon, black and white. And Dad walked over in front of that station wagon, leaned up, and we all gathered around him. He said, God's going to take care of us. God's going to take care of us. 
But it took a while for us to come back around. Even as a child, I'm talking about for years, after me and Loretta married, we'd go off somewhere, and, and, and I could not feel comfortable about coming home until I could see the roof of our house in the distance to know that it was still standing. See, there's, there's things that emotions that, that come with things. Failures of all kinds. See, there, and there's, uh, and then mental hurts that are inflicted by others. Uh, an abusive parent, an abusive mate, a bully. Do you know that bullies inflict emotional scars on the children they bully? They do. So, and, and many of us may have some of those emotional scars because of some bully in our life. So these are things that we need to deal with. We think about depression. Now before I talk about that, I want to read here in Psalms 42, verse 5. Now David did not write Psalms 42 and 43. Uh, the sons of Korah did. And as far as I can find out from the background of this thing, there were some difficulties going on in their personal lives and in their ministry of leading singing. See, the sons of Korah was where they got the worshipers, especially around David's tabernacle. And, and so they was having difficulty. And then another thing, too, just to show you that Christ died totally for us, if you would understand Psalms 42 is a prophecy. And we'll see this in a minute. It's a prophecy of what Jesus went through. See, he took the punishment necessary for you and I to have peace. Do you not do you not understand that he said he told his disciples, he said, My soul is exceedingly sorrowful unto death. And he went from them, the Bible says a stone throw, and he got down on his knees and he cried out and cried out to God, said, My God, my God, if there's any other way, let this cup pass from me. But then he come back and said, but nevertheless, not my will, but thine be done. And then it says that he prayed till his sweat became as drops of blood. So think about that. In verse 5, he says, why are you cast down, O my soul? Why are you cast down? My mind, my emotions, my will. And why are you disquieted within me? Hope in God, for I shall yet praise Him for the help of His countenance. Oh, my God, my soul is cast down within me. Therefore, I will remember you from the land of Jordan and from the heights of Hermon and from the hill Miser. So when Jesus was going through this, He went through anguish. And many times we get that way. We get, we get down, and if we don't watch ourselves because of these emotional circumstances, these emotional scars that come into our life, we begin to enter into depression. We dwell on these things. Hurt mounts up. I, I thought about that in the next verse here. It talks about deep, cause unto deep. And I thought about hurt mounts up on hurt. And we allow it to continue to mount up and pile up on our lives. And the scars get deeper. And instead of ever healing... They're constantly being reopened with something else that happens. Depression. See, all of these things can lead to depression. Depression is a state of a low mood and aversion to activity that can affect a person's thoughts, behaviors, feelings, and sense of well-being. You know, we all deal with depression to some 
to some extent at some point in time. I don't believe anyone can honestly say, you know, I've never had a problem about depression. You say, well, what about you, Pastor? Hey, I have to fight that stuff, just like you do. Sure, I could listen to the devil long enough about life and about things like that and about how unfair life is and how unfair God is. None of us ever said that kind of stuff, have we? How unfair God is and why God allowed this, why God did that. And, and you know, God don't really love me. God don't care for me. And, and, and before long, I'd be the point that I wouldn't even want to come over here to church. I'd want to just not have no part of it because of depression. And... But, folks, we can't allow ourselves to get that way. And I hope before we get through that you'll understand that there's a remedy for all of this. See, a depressed mood is a normal, temporary action to life's events. It's normal for it to come there. But temporary, do you notice the word there? Temporary. Events such as the loss of a loved one, it's also a symptom of physical disease and a side effect of some drugs and medical treatments. But boy, we pay doctors lots of money for medical drugs and medical treatments that causes us to have it be easy to be depressed. And there's hope for all of it. Increase in health is what God wants us to have. Verse, verse 11 of Psalms 42. Why are you cast down, O my soul, and why are you disquieted within me? Hope in God, for I shall yet praise Him, the help of my countenance and my God. Let's back up. I picture Jesus with those disciples. He'd been in the upper room with them there for a while now. He'd shared with them the things that he wanted them to understand before he went away. And they left, according to what we understand, that one of the psalms that they would sing at that supper, that Passover, was found in Psalms 118 where it says, This is a day the Lord has made, and I will rejoice and be glad in it. They left there and went out, and Jesus said, again I say to you, He said, my soul is exceedingly sorrowful unto death. And he went away. He said, you tarry here. I'm going to go away and pray. And listen to what it, Psalms 42 declares what's going on in Jesus. This is a prophetic psalm at this point. As the deer paints for the water brook, so paints my soul for you, O God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When shall I come and appear before God? You know, this is a question that Jesus in His human nature was calling out to God. So a lot of folks don't feel like Jesus was human. He was all divine. No, He was a man anointed with the Holy Ghost in power who went about doing good, healing all that were oppressed of the devil, Acts 10.38. My tears have been food and day and night and when, while they continually say to me, where is your God? You know, when He's hanging on the cross, that's what they said. Where is this God? Let Him come and save Him. When I remember these things, I pour out my soul within me. For I used to go with the multitude. I sent them to the house of God with the voice of joy and praise with a multitude that kept a pilgrim's feast. I can picture. This may not have been the way it was, but can I picture this with you for a moment? I picture when Jesus came in Jerusalem on that Sunday before His crucifixion. The triumphal entry, we call it. It's found in Matthew 21 and other places. That He came and, and, and He's sitting on this coat. And as he went, they began to holler, Hosanna to the King of Kings. They laid down palm branches. And when they ran out of palm branches, they pulled their coats off and laid them down so that Jesus would walk them. And they were saying, Blessed is he that comes in the name of the Lord. And that procession went right on into Jerusalem, right on up to the temple. All of these people were with him. 
Everybody was with him and shouting and all of the praises and, and everything good. And until three days, four days later. And all of that turned to anguish, to spite, to fear. Afraid that if they said anything else, the government was going to shut them down. And in all of that, Jesus began to suffer the chastisement necessary for you and I to have peace. Mm. He said, why are you cast down? That's to sink or depress. Disquieted. That's pretty simple to understand that. Isn't it? You're either quieted or disquieted. Have you ever, you ever told your children, why are you so disquieted? That means, why are you so loud? That's what it means. It means to be loud, to be in turmoil, to rage. Have you ever felt your spirit that way, your soul that way? That emotions. And you don't know how to control them. And all of a sudden things get away from you. And, and it all goes back to what maybe somebody did. What somebody said. How you were hurt. This lie. That deception. This thing. That, that loss. It all adds up to what we call a broken heart today. Broken hearts with broken dreams. But oh, let me tell you something. Have I got news for you? If there's problems in your life, and, and, and I don't want you to think that I'm oversimplifying this, because it would be easy for what I'm going to say in the next few minutes, for you to sit there and say, a uh, uh, Pastor, it's not that simple. Can I tell you I know? I know it's not that simple. But my friend, you've got to start somewhere. You've got to understand that you're not in a place of hopelessness. You're in, a, you're in a position now to where you can begin to reach up and take a hold to the hand of God. I come to share with you good news today. I come to help you understand that where you are now, the hurts that's in your life can begin to be healed. And it don't have to lead to all of these other things. And you end up in a state of depression to the point to where the only way you can make it through the day is that you pop a pill or open a bottle or escape into something else. Psalms 147, verse 3. Listen to what he says. He heals the brokenhearted and and binds up their wounds. Heals the brokenhearted. You've got a heartache or a heartbreak. Something in you that seemed like pulling you down and, and, and you look in and you say, man, I'm just so down. I don't seem like I can get up. That broken heart. He heals the broken heart. And that wound, that, that emotional wound in there, He don't just say, bless you. He binds that. And let me tell you what that's talking about. That's talking about somebody taking care to do something to help you. It's a medical term. And we have ladies that's in the medical field in here. And, and, and if you come across somebody that's got a, a deep wound, you don't, you don't just walk over there and dab it with a claw, put a little alcohol on it, say, God bless you, and go on. You take time with that. You work with it. You, dre- you clean it. You dress it. You wrap it. If needed, you put stitches in it. 
but you do everything you can to bring comfort to it. And this is what it's talking about that God does for you in your life. He takes time. He don't just come on and say, well, you got a minute, you know, I'll be through with you in a minute. No. God says, I'm here. I'm going to take as much time as it needs. If that wound needs some stitches, I'm going to put some stitches in it. If it needs some antibiotic, we're going to put antibiotic on it. If it needs being bound until it's completely healed, then that's what I'm going to keep doing, if you'll let me. But you know, if you went to Nurse Jamie or Nurse Ginger, and you had that happen, and they said to you, okay, I I need to do this every day now for the next week so this can get well. Well, you get up and you leave, and you go back the next day, and they do the same thing, and you think after that, I don't need to come here no more. This ain't doing no good. It still hurts, and I can still see all of that stuff in it. So I'm, I'm not going to mess with this anymore. See, folks, we can't afford to do that way in our emotions and in the hurts that have been caused. We've got to give God an opportunity and the time to work and to bring healing to that hurt just like a doctor or a nurse would to your wound that you may have on your arm or wherever it may be. God wants to do that. Jesus said in, in Isaiah chapter 61, He said that this is a prophecy that's fulfilled in Luke chapter 4 verse 18. And in Isaiah 61, 1, it says, The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me because He has anointed me to preach glad tidings to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captive and the opening of prison to those who are bound. That was his ministry. He came into his hometown, Nazareth. He went to the synagogue where he had been raised up, and they handed him the scroll, and he opened it up, and he began to read, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. For he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor and to heal the brokenhearted. Heal. That's part of his ministry. And listen, Jesus' ministry hadn't changed because he's in heaven. He's still in in business of healing broken hearts nowadays because of whatever has happened in your life and that heart, that crush. He's still in the business of healing that. And oh, he desires to heal that for you. And like I said, it may not take, it may not happen in a minute. You start the process today. What I'm telling you, and here in a few minutes we're going to come to the end of this, you don't have to leave here with any feel or attitude of hopelessness any longer. My hope is in the Lord. My hope is in Him. David experienced this time and again. In Psalm 61, verses 1 and 2, this, is, this has been a favorite verse of mine for years. I've gone to it many times. And listen to what he said, From the end of the earth, or hear my cry, O God, from the end of the earth, and tend to my prayer. Help me, Lord, attend to my prayer. Listen to me. For from the end of the earth I will cry to you when my heart is overwhelmed. Lead me to that rock that is higher than I. That has been a shelter for me and a strong tower from my enemies. That rock that is higher. Who is that rock? That rock's Jesus, isn't he? See, Jesus has so many things to us. He's the anchor like I sang in the song this morning. He's our anchor in the storm. And it's steadfast and sure. And not only that, but he's a rock. One of the best anchors I've ever used was a big old rock, tie a rope around it, throw it out of the boat. 
They're a little cumbersome, a little unhandy, but they're good once they hit the bottom, ain't they, Brother Gary? That rock grabbing hold. He's our anchor. But He's our rock, steadfast and sure, and we can count on Him. In Isaiah chapter 30, I mean in 1 Samuel chapter 30, if you know the story about how David and his men had had gone out to fight on the side of the Philistines, but they sent them back. And they had been staying in this city called Ziklag. Well, the Malachites came uh, and overcome them, took captive everyone they had, let them away. All their cattle, everything. Let them away. When David and his men came back, they saw that their city was burned and everything was gone. was there no longer. 1 Samuel chapter 30, verse 3, it says, So David and his men came to the city, and there it was, burned with fire, and their wives, their sons, their daughters had been taken captive. Then David and the people were with him, lifted up their voices and wept until they had no more power to weep. Folks, I'm telling you, there was a hurt took place in their life right then. There was an emotional event that could well have scarred them for the rest of their time. They could have gone in depression. And these men were on the verge of it, of going into that depression. Because they got to, they got to talking, and they wanted to blame David for this situation. And, and actually, as, as I thought about this, they didn't only want to blame David for the families being gone. They wanted to blame David for the way they felt. Folks, let me tell you, if you got a hurt this morning, let's quit the blame game. Start the healing game. You see, it's easy if a husband hurts a wife for her to hold that against him. I'm hurt, and you're the reason I'm hurt. Sure he is, sure what he said, what he did, what she said, what she did. They're the, but you cannot get over that as long as you point at them and say, you remember this? See the scar? You see the wound I got? You see what you caused? A child to a parent the same way. A parent may be abusive. Or a parent to a child that's just, just so wayward that they've turned against everything they taught them. It's so easy for a parent to say to a child, you're the reason that we've come to the point we have. That we've lost everything. That we've, You're the reason. It's you, it's you, it's you, it's you, it's you. Now, folks, we need to get past that blame game and get over into the forgiving game. People that have hurt us, people that have done us wrong, I'm going to tell you something. The wrong that people have done to me does not compare to the wrong I've done to God. A wrong that was so bad that to get through that, He had to give His Son to die for my sins and say to me, I forgive you. I want you to know something. He forgave me before I ever came to Him and asked Him to. Mm. Forgiving people for problems is not easy. I, I agree with you, it's not. It's not snap of the finger and it's done. I wished it was. But it's not. I remember a few years ago, well, several years ago now, 
1990 to be exact. Mother and Daddy had their 50th wedding anniversary. When they got married, it was over at uh, Fort Payne, Alabama, out behind the courthouse. Justice of the Peace married them. Well, they were still married because they, they were together 55 years before Daddy went on to be of the Lord, so that, that worked pretty good. But Mother had always wanted to have a church wedding. So us children was going to get together, and we were going to plan a church wedding for their 50th wedding anniversary. Well, I kept waiting on my older brother to do something, and I'd ask him, I don't know. So finally, he said to me, well, you, you and Judy, that's our sister. He said, you and Judy plan this, and go on, leave me alone. It was pretty much the way it was. So we planned it. She was in Arizona. I'm here in Alabama. We talked back and forth. We planned it and uh, let everybody know what we were doing. We was going to have a rehearsal at a certain time, and and was going to, the next day they're going to have the the wedding ceremony, and my older brother going to walk Mama down the aisle, and and us boys going to stand on Daddy's side, and the daughter and granddaughters are going to stand on Mother's side. Boy, I mean a wedding. It was big fancy thing. Pastor of the church at First Assembly was going to do it. We come up there for that rehearsal that night, and uh, I kept waiting for my brother to take the lead in it. He's over like that. So I said, well, no, we're not getting anywhere. So I said, okay, here's what we need to do. And uh, I said, you know, Mom and Dad stand here, and we're going to do this. And I, and I said to my brother, I said, and, and you walk Mama down now. He jumped up, and he said, I'll do what I want to. I may or might not. He said a few other things, and not ugly stuff, but I mean, hurting stuff. I looked at his wife to say, you know, you need to go sing. I'm the same way. Well, it crushed me. I mean, I hurt probably as bad as anything I'd ever hurt. Now, if we'd have been off out yonder where nobody else around and said that to me, uh, we might have got through it, but I'd have probably waited on him. You understand what I'm saying? <laughs> then that would have been worse. But it hurt. Hurt deep. Even to the point I said, when this is over with, I'll never have anything else to do with him. I mean, that, that hurt deep. The next day we had the, the wedding. Everything went off pretty well. We came back down to Mother and Daddy's house, and he said, my older brother said, I want to talk to all y'all out on the carport. Okay. Went out there, and he said, uh, I might not act like I did should have yesterday. He said, but I'm oldest, and just walked off. That was it. I carried that for a couple of years. And it built bitterness and resentment. When it would be a family thing, I wouldn't even want to be around him. And it caused me to begin to have some problems, spiritual and mental problems. And I blamed him for it. Oh, he was the cause. He was the one that's... But folks, I had to come and forgive him and take the blame for letting myself get that way. 
And all these years I've preached it and I've read it and I've talked it. And I had a way out of that thing, but I didn't want to take it. I wanted to be human and I wanted to hold something against him. I called him up one night. I said, Bud, I want to ask you to forgive me. What for? I said, for letting myself get so hurt at Mother and Daddy's anniversary celebration. I said, I shouldn't have done that, regardless of what you said. I should not have done that. And I'm going to tell you this, folks. That was not an easy thing to do. You say, well, you took all the responsibility. No, I didn't take the responsibility for the hurt. I took the responsibility for me. You see what I'm saying? And you've got to do that. If there's hurts in your life, whatever it may be, you've got to take the responsibility to go to Dr. Jesus and let Him begin to take care of that wound through the Holy Spirit and through the Word of God. And He'll take care of it. But from that point on, me and my brother, I began to purposely develop a good relationship with Him. The last year that he was alive, he had cancer, real bad with it. And I'd go see him. We'd go see him. I, I tried to go see him at least every two weeks. I'd try to go see him. And he'd say, he'd ask me about church. He'd always been against our church. He didn't think that we were the right kind of church because he was another kind of church. And he didn't think we were the right kind of church. And he'd always ask me about church. And I'd tell him about what happened. And he made this statement to me about two months before we passed away. He said, Bud. I should have been in church with you a long time ago. Folks, I'm going to tell you, he'll heal the brokenhearted if we don't blame others. That's what David's men wanted to do. But what did David do? Let's come back and see what David did. Then David and the people were with him, lifted up their voice and wept until they had no more power to weep. And David's two, two wives, Ahanaam, and the Jezreelite and Abigail, the wife of Nabal the Carmelite, had been taken captive. David had just as much grief and reasons in the rest of them. Now, great, David was greatly distressed. He was troubled. He was hurt. Anguish in his spirit. For the people spoke of stoning him. I mean, if one thing, you, your wives and your children, all your cattle and everything's gone, now then they're taking up rocks to stone me. And folks, it wouldn't have took long because they were 600 of these men of David. Because the, the, the soul of all the people was grieved, every man for his sons and his daughters. But listen, but David strengthened himself in the Lord God. He didn't get over in this area of grief and this problem. And, and, and he didn't back up and it would have been so easy to say, well, just go ahead and get it over. I don't have to go on under this any longer. A lot of people are getting out of this thing just that way. They're ending their lives. This happens so many times. And folks, that's not the way out. So much problems and difficulties arises in a time like that. David turned and encouraged himself in the Lord. He called for a bath or a priest. He came. He brought the ephod. He prayed. He asked God. said, what will I do? God said, just get up and go get them back. Get up out of this misery. Get up out of this, this hurt. Get up out of this... Emotional, emotional problem right now and walk in this thing and go get them back. Go do whatever is necessary. That's what he's saying. Do whatever is necessary to get through this and you'll make it. Psalms 27, verse 13 and 14 says, 
I would have lost heart unless I had believed that I would see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Wait on the Lord, be of good courage, and He shall strengthen your hearts. Wait. I say wait on the Lord. Look to Him. And like I said, it may not happen today, but wait on the Lord. Wait on the Lord. Keep walking in that faith and don't turn, don't turn loose of it. One final thing. There's a promise involved with this. In Jeremiah chapter 33, it's one of my favorite chapters in the book of Jeremiah. Jeremiah chapter 33, beginning in verse 1, more of the word of the Lord came to Jeremiah a second time while he was still shut up in the court of the prison. In the court of the prison. Think about that. Jeremiah's in prison writing this. Saying, Thus says the Lord who made it, the Lord who formed it to establish it, the Lord is His name. Call to me, and I will answer you, and show you great and mighty things which you do not know. Call to me. In a time of turmoil, in a time of trouble, in a time of problem, in a time of hurt, call to me. You don't see a hope? Call to me. You don't see any way out? Call to me. I'll show you something you had not seen yet. I'll, I'll tell you something you haven't heard yet. I'll give you a hope that you've never discovered in your life yet. I'll do this for you. For thus says the Lord God of Israel concerning the house of this city and the house of the kings of Judah, which have been pulled down to fortify against the siege mounds and the sword. They come to fight with the Chaldeans, but only to fill their places with the dead bodies of men, whom I will slay in my anger and my fury, all for all whose wickedness I have hidden my face from. God saying this, trust in me. I'll take care of your enemies. Your enemy is that depression, that emotional onslaught that's coming against you. Here's the promise of God. Behold, I will bring it health and healing. I will heal them and reveal to them the abundance of peace and truth. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. What was necessary... For Him to minister to our soul, our mind, emotion, and will was upon Jesus. Yet He went through it all. You know why He did? For every person sitting in this room this morning, regardless of what kind of situation you may be in today, He's here for you. I want you to bow your heads with me for just a moment.